All right, we're starting a new series uh, called When Pigs Fly, and um, it, the purpose of When Pigs Fly is uh, to remind us to look for the probability of improbability. And so we're talking about different scenarios in life where a miracle happens. And uh, I think that something happens, something has to happen in believers because oftentimes we get stuck in the, what we know, in the consistency, in the rhythm of life, forgetting that God moves in the unexpected. He moves in the, in the, un, uh, in the moments where we didn't see this coming, we didn't know it was coming. And, and sometimes the only time we look for God is in moments where there's interruptions in our life and the schedule all of a sudden looks different. And now we're forced to look for God. It may have been a car accident, it may have been a phone call, it may have been news, or it may have been something, but when interruptions happen in our life and the, the, what we know is interrupted, we're forced to look for God. And, uh, but I do believe in miracles. I believe that miracles are happening every day all around us. Albert Einstein said this, there are two ways to live. You can live as if nothing is a miracle, or you can live as if everything is a miracle. I love, 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 love that quote. Everything is a miracle. I mean, we're, the existence itself is a miracle. It's happening all around us. It's happening right now. And what I'm learning about God is that faith provokes God to move. Let me show you this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the scripture says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so something has to activate inside the body of Christ that we begin to believe for God to do something out of the known in our life. The probability of the improbability taking place in our life. Does God live in you? If he does, something miraculous has to happen around us. Or is he really alive? He is God. He is a supernatural God doing supernatural things. And I'm not saying that because I believe it. I'm saying that because as I read it and I'm seeing it in page after page after page in people's life, if we want to live a life that is pleasing to God, we have to learn to activate our faith. Amen. Now, I don't know what it is that you're believing for, but as I'm thinking about the statements of when pigs fly, I realized that there's multiple scenarios in our life that put a dam up in our life that, that we almost don't believe that God can do certain things. And so uh, there's that statement that comes out uh, when pigs fly or when hell freezes over or uh, when, you know, if this, if, if I ever, if I hit the jackpot, right, or uh, whatever it is, like the, it's not likely going to happen. But there's a God. And Albert Einstein said that I believe that everything is actually a miracle. That atoms are being held together right now. It's an absolute miracle all around us. That God loves us and you still exist. I think that it's a miracle that God hasn't just smited me yet. You know what I mean? Like, Tim, shut up. And, uh, uh, and uh, so anyways, um, I'm thinking about some of the things that would be, uh, I would say, if pigs were to fly. Uh, I'm thinking if, if, uh, if my kids came to me and said, or if the kids came to, to, to Teresa and said, hey, mom, uh, dad said that we're going to get a cat. She would say, when pigs fly, <laughs> it's not happening in the Broughton house, y'all. I'm just saying. Uh, uh, some of the guys that go to our church will ask a girl out one day when pigs fly, right? 
Because men today don't have courage. Uh, they don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to ask their friend to ask their friend to text them. And uh, it's crazy. We, uh, well, listen, there's some men. There's someone with some pigs flying in this room here. Come on. Uh, uh, I was thinking of another one. When, when Shaza learns how to sing when pigs fly, right? Oh, she's, she, I saw her baby here. She's in the other room. You can tell her that. Uh, the probability of improbability it does happen in our lives. And, uh, and I was thinking about some of these things. But there was a story that I wanted to show you. This happens all throughout Scripture. And every week I'll intro with a story that doesn't really have anything to do with the sermon. But kind of reveals uh, someone that's projecting faith into a situation. And God moves because of it. And so this doesn't have anything to do with the story, but uh, with today's sermon, but there's a story that happens in the book of Samuel before David became king and, and Saul is king, and the Israelites are about to go to war with the Philistines. And uh, there's this young man in the scripture, his name is Jonathan, and uh, Jonathan later became David's best friend. And they're about to go to war, and before Israel would go to war and thousands of people would end up fighting, Jonathan looks over at his armor bearer and he gets this crazy idea. His, this is his crazy idea in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 4. He says, uh, between the past... Uh, I'm sorry. And now it happened one day, in verse, this is verse 1, that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison on the other side. Uh, and then in verse 6, it says, Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to these uncircumcised. And it may be that the Lord will work for us. For nothing restrains the Lord by saving, by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then, here I am with you according to your heart. Listen to this. What is a miracle? This young man, Jonathan, looked at his armor bearer and he said, hey, me and you, dude, let's go take on this, this army of people. Me and you. And what I love about it is, He's activating on the probability of improbability. This is what he says. He says that it may be that the Lord will work for us. He's not even saying that the Lord will work for us. He's not even guaranteed. He's not sure. But he's like, you know what? Nothing prevents God by, from saving by many or by few. Let's just activate this thing, man. Let's just go do it. Do you realize the risk in this scenario? Like, there's a, it's not like, hey, it could be a bad day, or like, we can go to Disney and it might rain, you know? No, like, it may be that we die, you know what I'm talking about? And he's like, no, it may be that God would move in our midst. What is the maybe that God could do in your life if you believe that when pigs fly, God could do something that's improbable in your life? He is alive, Right? And if he's alive, we have to learn to project faith into circumstances. As I'm reading scripture, I found four scenarios that God would repeatedly do again and again, and these will be the topics of the next four weeks. In week four, we're going to talk about the miracle of provision, when pigs fly and God breaks through in your finances. It is one of the coolest ways to experience God that I have ever found when I know that God loves me, that he loves me, that he loves me, because he's taking care of me in a way that no one else can. Anyone's ever been there? Yeah. Great. I'm talking about in, in week three, we're going to talk about the miracle of protection. When God protects us, oh man, it's like the coolest thing ever, 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 ever. When he shelters us and prevents something terrible from happening in our life. 
uh, the miracle of protection. We see it over and over and over and over again in Scripture. In, the, in week number three, we're going to talk about the miracle uh, of healing. And when God heals, then when he heals, when divine intervention and supernatural take place, and we see a physical transformation happening in people's bodies, and next week we're going to pray and believe God for miracles in the house. And, and this week, we're talking about the miracle of change. The miracle of change. I've heard this over and over and over again, and it really, uh, oh man, what, what is not a miracle? Uh, a miracle is not when you pull up to Walmart and all of a sudden there's a parking lot, there's a parking spot right in the front and we go, it's a miracle. It's not a miracle. It's just a parking spot. You know what I mean? Like uh, a miracle is not when you get a free chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-A and you get a coupon. Like it's, that's really just their marketing and they're really good at it. And although it is the Lord's chicken, amen. Uh, uh, so, okay. Uh, those things are not miracles. Let's move on. Uh, so I've been hearing it again and again the statement uh, of um, that people never change. They're always going to be that way. People never change. It's one of the worst things that we can actually say, and it happens again and again and again and again in the body of Christ, that we see the normal happening in people, and we expect them to always be that way. Let me tell you something, saints. The body of Christ depends on you to activate your faith in a way that you can see the potential in everyone in your life. Your pastor needs you to see the potential in the people around you. And sometimes the people closest to you are the hardest for you to believe change for. Can people change? Yes, People can change. It is a biblical scenario, and we see it again and again. This book is a book of redemption. It's a book of new beginnings. It's a book when God intervenes in someone's life, and we see change in their mind, their body, and their soul. It happens through and through and through and through. I am a product of change where God came into my life, and I am a different human being than I was. Um, can someone stop using drugs? Yes. Can, can we stop? Can people stop abusing others? Yes. Can people stop verbally abusing others? Yes. Can, can, can we stop being reckless in our spending? Yes, it is possible. I know that it doesn't feel like it, like I can't get ahead. Can, can people ever, uh, can, can, we, can we keep a job? Yes. Can that person keep a job that you know? Yes, they can. Can, can they treat people better? Can you remember to say, I love you? Yes. Can your spouse remember? Yes, they can. Can we do better in school? Yes, we can. Can we remember to stop leaving our keys everywhere? Yes, we can. Can we remember to pay the tolls? Yes, we can. Can we remember to, 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 to take off work sometimes? Yes, we can. There are people that are workaholics, and that's just what we do, and we always just work, 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 work. But I'm telling you that we can, in fact, change. There's different things that are, we are creatures of habit and it's wired into our DNA. But I'm telling you that something happens when the blood of Jesus covers over our life and we get a blood transfusion with Jesus and something different is happening in me. Why? When the spirit of God is moving inside of me, it's intermingling with who I am and God is calling me to change. And whether you realize it or not, God is speaking to every person in this room 
right now about things that are happening in your life, habits that he wants you to deal with. He is asking and crying out. The deep calls on the deep from glory to glory. He wants you to be a new man and woman uh, in this room here right now and today. Okay, cool. And so uh, there's this powerful scripture in Psalms chapter 138, verse 3. Listen, I, 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 some of you, like, you hear this title and you go, yeah, I believe, I believe people can change. But I've heard many of you talk to and about your spouses. I've heard many of you talk about your children or your parents. I've heard many of you talk about distant cousins and family members and things. And you look at the situation in the natural and you go, man, that, they are always that person. But we are called, like Ezekiel, to look at the dry bones in Ezekiel chapter 33 and say, dry bones rise up. Like, we are called to look at the potential and say, I know what's in there. Psalm 138 verse 3 says this, in the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. In the day that I cried out, you made in me. And I, I, I love, 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 love the transformation that happens when anyone decides to call on the name of the Lord. They shall be saved. Saved there means the word sozo. It's to be healed, mind, body, and spirit. It's transformed like a new human. I don't know what happened to you the day that you encountered God, but I remember what happened to me when God surged through my body and it was the most exhilarating, like the most awesome drug I've ever experienced in my life. Acid was not, it could not compare to the feeling that I got. Now drugs, I, I still had drug problems. Some of the things will wear off. I still cussed. I remember the first several months of being at church and I, I would cuss at my pastor on accident, you know? And he was like, oh, yeah, I love that guy. He's crazy, you know? And I didn't mean it. It was like there's stuff that's still going to wear off. But transformation begins to happen on the inside and God's calling you. Like you, you're drawing to a new person. Amen. And some of you are married or have a relationship with someone that God is calling and you have to give them, you have to see their potential and speak to it in a way where you can wait and be patient. You have to remember, first, God is married to that person, okay? And if he can be patient with them and not smite them, you can be patient with them, okay? Uh, and so you have to understand, I'm, I still exist. And so God has said, so I'm one of the biggest idiots that I know. But I think of change as, as the story of the butterfly. God put it in creation it's designed to look completely different. There is no caterpillar that you ever look at and go, man, that thing is beautiful. But there is beauty inside, and there's a process that unlocks it. And I want you to know that change can happen with everyone in every way, shape, and form. Change is possible. Listen to this. Walt Whitman said this. Uh, Change is possible, change is possible, change is possible, change is possible for every one of us. Listen to this. To me, every hour of the light and dark is a miracle. Every cubic inch of space is a miracle. I love that change, like the fact that Adams, uh, I said this earlier about Albert Einstein, but the, the, these people are looking at the, just the fact that this world exists, that I am breathing, is a miracle. 
And if we could learn to change our eyes to see and perceive things in a different way, that God is in control of everything. Colossians chapter 1 says that he made all things and in him all things hold together. It is Christ himself that is holding this earth together. And in a moment, he can do a Thanos, you know, and snap his finger and everything, you know. You guys didn't get it. You got to go. I appreciate that. You got that. Um, So let me read to you Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Change is possible for you. There are some people in this room that have some habits that God is willing to deal with. There are some people that are married to someone that have habits or has friends or in a relationship of, of any kind of nature that is wanting to see change happen. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors or the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, and then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God transform your mind. Let him transform, like he is calling you, us all, to change the way that we speak to people, the way that we can be impatient, the way that we can be unkind, the way that we can be unloving, not generous, uh, selfish in nature, closed off from the world, not trusting people. God is calling us all, and he's saying, look, get out of your comfort zone. I have a calling for you, and you're either going to do you or you're going to do me. But if you want to influence people's lives, you're going to have to do me. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When pigs fly, miracles can happen. You can be like Jesus. That's your calling. That is the greatest calling for every one of us is to become like Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ here on this earth. That's who we're supposed to be. And so if you are not yet healing people, he wants you to. If you are not yet loving people in a way that they're being saved, he wants you to. If your heart is not welcome and opening to other people, he wants you to. If you have gifts in your life that can further the kingdom of God, Jesus Christ wants to unlock you to a way that you can transform people with the giftings that's inside of you. But you have to step out of your comfort zone. Change is possible. It doesn't always happen because change is so hard. It's scary and it's terrifying. But John Maxwell said this, change is inevitable, but growth is optional. You're going to change. I was talking to Melinda just before service started here, and we were talking about how much change has taken place in so many of our lives. Where were we 15 years ago? Change is going to happen. Life looks different now than it surely did years ago. I mean, think about where you are now. Some of you didn't know you were going to be in this city or have this kind of career or be friends with these kind of people. You're looking at this guy talking to you right now and going, this guy's funny looking, and he's your pastor. You know, like (laughs) life is different now than you thought it was going to be. Melinda, I mean, years ago, 19 years ago, she was mama. Now I'm her pastor. Like, that is a weird (laughs) scenario, you know? But life changes. Growth 
is optional. Are you going to evolve into what God is calling you to become? Are you going to listen to the nuances and the things that you have out of order in your life that the Holy Spirit is tugging on? This is good preaching right here. I don't know. Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in new Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, new things have come. And you have to understand the way that this works is that there is seeds in your life of potential. And then you water them and you grow them. And it's difficult because faith unlocks all these things, and it's terrifying. Imagine Peter walking on water, how terrifying that was, and him realizing, wait a second, I'm walking on water. Oh, wait a second, I'm not walking on water. Oh my gosh, I am drowning. Jesus, save me. It's a faith thing for you to start this process, and it's not easy. In fact, there is failure that happens in the process of change. It's difficult, but change is possible, and you are new And you are who he says you are, and you can do what he says you can do. You can organize your finances. You can stop looking at those things that you're looking at. You can love people. You can be kind. You can trust people again. Change is possible, and you can be transformed into the person that God is calling you to be, even if you've been in an atmosphere where you've heard about God for 25 years. Change can still happen in a moment. Second point today I want you to know is that sometimes change is spiritual. It's not always spiritual. Sometimes it's, it's practical. Like your finances are what they are. Like it's a mathematical thing. You're broke not because the devil took all your money. You're broke because you like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups and you can't say no to them when you're in the checkout aisle. You know what I mean? You're broke because you bought a car that you should not have had that you could not afford and now you have a monthly payment of too much and you go on too many vacations and you, you dream bigger because you think you deserve more and all of it is because you haven't learned how to put your life in order and in balance and in perspective and understand that God is not calling you to possess everything. I'll get there in a couple weeks. You can't blame that on the devil, but we do. When we're broke. But it is spiritual, even in that moment, because it started with you not yielding to what God was speaking to you when you didn't have discernment to recognize what God was saying in the moment. I'll show you here. Uh, For the uh, for Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6, he says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity, the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is is fulfilled. He says that that we don't, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I want you to know that you're in a battle. You're in a battle, like, let me keep going here. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, he says, and Paul says, a final word for you. Be strong in the Lord in his mighty power and put on God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all of the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers in, in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. 
Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in, in, in the time. And after the battle, you'll be able to stand firm. What I've learned is that um, God subtly says yes and no, yes and no, yes and no. And often we get comfortable with the decisions that we're making that we stop learning how to ask God for guidance. The end result you may not see yet, but if you were to ask around for people that possess wisdom, they could tell you what's coming up ahead and you're, you're heading for a pitfall. The enemy loves those kinds of things because he goes around like a roaring lion stealing who, who he may devour. It, it can happen like lust. It can happen uh, like pride. It can, it can happen like when we stop putting people out of our life and we stop trusting people and we start closing ourselves off. It, it, and and it, it seems like wisdom and it seems like, man, I, these people are hurtful. I just don't, I can't have it. The only person I can trust is myself. And we start closing walls and all of a sudden we're walling ourselves in. We don't realize the damage until one day we realize we're alone and we don't have friends. It's because we put up so many daggone walls that no one could get to us. It happens with finances. It happens with friendships. It happens with, with, with lustful thoughts. Or, or there, I mean, there's so many different uh, tools that the enemy uses to, to divert us. You are in a war. And unfortunately, we can't see it. But wisdom is calling out to us. And God is calling out to us. And I... I remember the first time that I learned discernment in my life. I was um, 17 years old, and I had just become born again. And um, I had a mentor that was, uh, worked in a prison, and he, um, he, was, he used to run drug dogs in a prison. And he'd come home with all this weed. And uh, he'd bring it home because his, his jail was so far away. And he had all this weed at his house. And one time I went over to his house and, uh, and I was talking about how much I struggled uh, smoking pot at the time. I couldn't stop smoking pot. And he goes, oh, you like pot? And he was my prayer partner. We'd worship together in his basement. It was wonderful. He got out all, like two pounds of weed and put it on the table right in front of me. He goes, you like weed? Why don't you smoke it right now? Oh man, I don't. Oh, I don't want to have nothing to do with this man. This doesn't feel right. And he goes, "You're absolutely right. Here's what I want you to do: the next time someone comes up to you, your friends, and they offer you this, I want you to look with your spirit eyes and ask what's going on. If you know what you're struggling with, look with your spirit eyes. I remember the next day it was kids younger than me." kids that were dorkier than me and not nearly as popular as me, and they came and offered me some stuff, and I taught them how to do. And I could see the spirit in their eyes. It turned my stomach and made me want to throw up, and it was the first time that I said no. You got to understand the discernment that there is things going on in your life. Sometimes you got to say no to the credit card. You don't realize the damage it's doing to you going backwards, going backwards, going backwards. But one day when you don't have the cash to buy what you want and actually what you need, it's not the devil's fault then. It was the devil's fault way back here. And it actually became our fault. Change is possible if you can see life with your spirit eyes. What is God saying yes to and what is he saying no to? What is God saying this is not good for you? Can you see with your spirit eyes? Some things are spiritual and it's happening all around you. Does that make sense?
I think that this is good teaching here right now. All right, let me get to the last one here, and then I'll try to, I'll try to stop. I want you to know one thing. Change is possible, but you can't change somebody else. You can't change your spouse. You can't change your children. You can't change your parents. You can't change your cousin's sister's puppy. You can't, you can't change other folks. You don't. You can't control them. This is important that we get this. Because we talk to people as if they're wrong before it's even happened. And they're going to put up walls so daggone quick. Here's the last one. Change requires discipline. Sometimes changing other people requires you to have discipline in your mouth. Because you have to learn to speak to their potential and not the problem. Change requires discipline in every scenario. Like it's so wonderful when someone comes and encounters God because change is happening inside. But now, right when I leave this altar, if change is going to continue, it has to have discipline when we leave this altar. It has to, like I love it when we come to church and some of us, like we were cussing on the way to church, but then we, we encountered God here. But now if we want to change when we leave, it's going to require discipline. We're going to have to learn how to bridle our mouth. We're going to have to learn how to, how to keep our hearts like, like soft and sensitive. We're going to have to learn to be more kind and more thoughtful of other people. It's going to require discipline. You're going to have to learn to say no to spending. You're going to have to, there are so many things in our life that God is calling out to in our life. Change is possible. And there was a great quote that someone said, I, I wanted to change the world and I realized it had to start with myself. Yeah. It's got to happen here first. And it's one step at a time. What is the first step that God is calling you to change? I don't care where you are in your level of discipleship and becoming like Jesus. You have not arrived yet. God is still calling you to change something in your life. What's your next level of discipline? This is good preaching here. Hey, listen to this. Uh, Thomas Fuller said this, all things are difficult before they are easy. That next part of discipline it's hard. It really, it really sounds like discipline, like it came from your parents, like, ouch, you know? Like, it's not easy for you to say no, uh, but it's good for you to say no. No is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's actually rewarding. Uh, listen to this. Those who cannot change their mind cannot change anything. I thought that was just awesome. Uh, just awesome. Yes, you can be a new person. Yes, you can be loving. Yes, you can be a nation shaker. Yes, you can make a difference in people's lives. Yes, you can be a great spouse. Yes, you can be a great father. Yes, you can be, you can make money. You can own a business. You can be a great leader. You can do great things for Christ. You can prophesy. You can heal the sick. You can raise the dead. You can. But it's going to require discipline. And it's going to have to start here. Listen to this. For God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Amen. And here's what I know. Change scares the tar out of people. It's so hard to change because easy is just comfortable. It's just feels good. But doing new things, being a new person, man, it's hard. But God is calling you to new all the time. Listen, if our church doesn't change, we're not going to grow. 
If our church doesn't change, we're not going to grow. If we're not going to reach people, if we don't be change today. And so we're like, no, 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 no. Let's just be who we've always been. That is the worst thing that we can. Listen, let me tell you something about this church. We are going to change. I am going to yell and yell and yell at us. We need to become who God is calling us to be. And that's going to look different tomorrow and the next week and the next week and the next week because God is calling us to greater things. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love and power and of self-discipline. Let me, uh, the last year, I'll say this. For, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. I love this. This is so powerful. This is the last verse today. Rachel, would you come? No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who have been trained by it. Uh, change is possible. It is spiritual. And uh, change will require discipline. It's not easy, but it is good. God is calling you to change. It's like losing weight. Man, it's good. Man, it's terrible. Man, the whole process is awful. But it's so good. I hate it. I don't do it very often, you know? I, I'm better at putting the weight on. It's just easier that way. <laughs> There are things that God is calling us to that are difficult. Opening up, being vulnerable, learning to say, I'm sorry. Change is possible. Change is good. God is calling us to change. What is God calling you to change? Would y'all bow your heads and close your eyes with me? It's a miracle. Some people say that people can never change. They'll always be that person. They'll always be ignorant. They'll always be rude. They'll always be harsh. They'll always be closed off. Nope. I prophesy over you today that God is calling you right now into the new you. Behold, all things have been made new. Change is possible. Change is spiritual. It's Spirit of God calling you. He says, behold, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if anyone would open the door, I'll come in. I'm curious today. You can't change your neighbor. You can't change your partner. You can't change your friend. You can't change you. If God's calling you today to change, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you raise your hand right now? Love, love honesty. It's a miracle if you do. There's miracles all around us. We are a miracle. It's a miracle that God loves me. It's a miracle that God hasn't given up on me. It's a miracle that I exist. It's a miracle that I have friends. It's a miracle that I'm loved. It's a miracle that I have finances and that I'm healthy and that I'm still alive. And it's a miracle that God is moving in my life. Lord, would you have your way?